Hi friends, Fred Harrell here. Thanks for tuning in to the weekly City Church Sermon Podcast. Just a note that as we continue to shelter in place here in San Francisco, we will be bringing you our Sunday Sermon audio recording via Skype over a Facebook Live broadcast. So if the audio quality seems like a little lower than normal, then now you know what's happening. We just wanted you to know. You can join us on Facebook Live each Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening and subscribing to our podcast. The scripture reading today is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear? each of us in our own native language, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, We know that you do not run from our pain and our sadness, but join us and share us, share with us in it. And so we ask now that we would have faith to believe that, that you would meet us today as we come with all the different emotions and feelings that we bring to this particular day um, in light of current events. Give us grace, help us to know that you see us, you know us, and you love us. Give us grace to believe that you have arranged this moment to speak to us. 
And so we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how are you, everyone? I just want to say that if you feel like you have nothing in the tank, let me say that I see you. Um, I am you. I have never felt so depleted, to be frankly, to be honest. This past week has been brutal on so many levels. The trauma of seeing another black body killed, George Floyd, say his name. The trauma of seeing another body black killed, the trauma of anarchists disrupting peaceful but forceful protests with violence and destruction. The use of the phrase rooted in racism when the looting starts, the shooting starts by the leader of our country sent shockwaves through our already anxiety-ridden collective consciousness. The exhaustion our black and brown-skinned siblings already feel on a daily basis made horrifically worse by seeing the violence perpetrated on those who look like them, who look like their sons, who look like their daughters, who look like their cousins, who look like their brothers and sisters, who look like their moms and dads. It's beyond anything I can imagine. I want to just say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, say amen and move on. But we have Pentecost to talk about. Perhaps never a more timely occurrence of this Jewish and Christian holiday. For our Jewish friends, it's 50 days after Passover in the celebration of the law given at Mount Sinai. For Christians, it's 50 days after Good Friday, seven Sundays after Easter, where we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Pentecost is a story of how the church came alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. On that day, followers of Jesus Christ received the power to take the gospel to the streets in Jerusalem and eventually throughout the earth. As I've said before, the words used for spirit in the Hebrew scriptures are feminine. In Greek, they are neutral. He, she, or it would suffice. So we will see what she, the spirit, has to say to us by looking at what she did in this first Pentecost. What happened that day was such a powerful experience that they said it was like fire falling on them. A sense of community and understanding transcended all the difference of language of those who were gathered there. On that day, a mighty wind from heaven blew the fire of the Holy Spirit into those followers who were gathered together. When something like tongues of fire danced over the heads of the apostles, they seemed to be quickened by unseen forces. They were shouting, preaching, speaking in a variety of languages so people from a lot of different countries could understand each other, and generally making such a commotion that the people of the city had to stop and wonder what on earth was going on. Some sneered and wondered if they were all drunk. Peter says, we are drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Maybe the sermon title should be, it's nine o'clock in the morning somewhere. But the Spirit blew into the apostles an awareness that just as Jesus had promised, the presence of the Holy Spirit was with them and was at work in and through them. The sound that came from heaven, that rushing violent wind, was the exciting sound of old barriers being broken and glass ceilings shattering. The divisions within humanity were being overcome, which makes Pentecost falling on May 31, 2020 so relevant. So here's a few things we learn about the Holy Spirit. The first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit is that she is uncontrollable. The Spirit is not interested 
and our self-imposed limitations and constructs, whether they be constructed races, constructed genders, identities, or constructs in general. The spirit is wild and always expansive. Here's how Willie James Jennings put it in his masterful commentary on the book of Acts. The similitude of the wind to the spirit's coming suggests not only its absolute power, but its absolute uncontrollability. No structure is stronger than the wind and there is nothing beyond its touch. How much greater is the reality of the spirit than this weak metaphor? Wind and fire speak of ancient theophany in Israel, hearkening back to Moses in Israel's beginnings in miraculous displays of divine power. This moment of divine power will be used to signify the full presence of the spirit through one crucial reality of life, language. Here we must not draw back from what is being displayed in Luke's account. This is God touching, taking hold of tongue and voice, mind, heart, and body. This is a joining unprecedented, unanticipated, unwanted, yet complete joining. Those gathered in prayer ask for power. They may have asked for the Holy Spirit to come, but they did not ask for this. This is real grace, untamed grace. It is the grace that replaces our fantasies of power over people with God's fantasy for desire for people. I love that last sentence, desire for people. Don't miss the importance of human bodies in this story. God is, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, for the human body. It is human bodies that are called good in creation. It is human bodies that are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Human bodies matter, all of them. But when they all don't matter, we must stand with those whose bodies are being broken, incarcerated, maligned, harassed, and murdered, and say, those bodies matter. Black lives matter. The second thing about the Holy Spirit is that she brings courage. Before Pentecost, on the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter cowered away from the servant girl's questions and refused to admit that he knew Jesus. But after Pentecost, Peter preaches the first Pentecost sermon to the confused and questioning crowd, boldly proclaiming that Joel's prophecy is being fulfilled as people are having dreams and visions. The Spirit gives him the power to witness to the crowd. Before Pentecost, many of the disciples felt doubt and despair. They may have felt like their ancestors had like dry bones, but after Pentecost, the apostles went out into the streets and into the community and lives were changed. They touched the lame and they walked. They were imprisoned and flogged, yet they showed no signs of doubt or fear. Prodded and empowered by the Holy Spirit, the once disheartened disciples moved out. We need that courage right now to do the hard work of confronting the systemic injustice of racism in our communities, our families, our friendships. And it will take courage to do it. It is hard work. But I believe the Holy Spirit, she will meet us in that work as we do these hard things, and she will give us courage. The third thing about the Holy Spirit that we learn here is that she breaks down barriers. 
who would be in this new community of faith? Who would be allowed to be a part of it? Well, Jews, of course. That's what the first disciples believe. But not long after the story of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, there are other stories. She leads Philip, the spirit, to an intersection where he will encounter an Ethiopian eunuch, and she tells Philip to jump in the chariot with him. Not long after, this sexually ambiguous man who would be considered unclean is welcomed into the church and baptized on the side of the road. Later, Peter has a vision in which he sees a great sheet being lowered with all kinds of animals. He heard God's voice saying, don't call anything I create unclean. Peter came to understand that the vision wasn't about unclean food, but about unclean people. He met the Gentile Cornelius and baptized him. The church would have become just a Judaistic sect within Judaism, a gathering place for disgruntled Israelites. But no, the promise of God was sent even to Gentiles, to outsiders. The early church struggled with the issue of who to include just as we do today. But she, the Holy Spirit, prevailed. When someone asked, what does this mean? Peter tells them, quoting Joel the prophet, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall see dreams, shall dream dreams even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. To quote Willie James Jennings one more time, the passage proclaims a new world order energized by the movement of the Holy Spirit breaking through on all flesh and destroying social orders that find slavery useful, stable, capable of making fundamental differences of identity between would-be masters and would-be slaves. These slaves, men and women, prophesy. God speaks through them and they are to be obeyed. This new world order begins with collapse. God shakes foundations, especially ones that wrongly claim divine imprint. You can be sure about this. When people are genuinely coming together, not playing nice, not sweeping hard truth under the rug, but really coming together with openness and acceptance and truth and love, there she, the Holy Spirit, is. You can be sure about this. When new ideas, new vistas of understanding about others who are different from you are taking place, when new human solidarity is taking place, when people who used to not stand the sight of one another come together and value each other and see each other, especially in our differences as a gift, there she, the Holy Spirit, is. You can be sure about this, when new insights about how we are all interconnected, how the divine is for us and not against us, when equality and equity are pursued and realized because the divine breath of God comes down on all flesh at Pentecost, there she, the Holy Spirit, is. And you can be sure about this as well. When people of power use it to divide and conquer, to foment violence and discord, to create greater inequities, to blame and victimize, to shame, to pervert, to preserve 
systems of a presence of oppression there she isn't that would be the unholy spirit at work in the world and it must be opposed by followers of jesus who are filled with the holy spirit so we have work to do to see pentecost enacted today don't we and by we i mean me and you especially those of you who look like me when the church is listening to the spirit of pentecost it can do great things it can work for decades for the abolition of slavery and it did it can work for decades to be inclusive of all and in small and large ways it is it can stand in solidarity with the most vulnerable in our society and it does in places it can build hospitals in the midst of impoverished regions of the world and it does and has but it also doesn't in my anti-racism training there's a word that's come up over and over again and the word is interrogate that the work i have to do as a white man in america is the work of interrogation i have to interrogate my complicity in upholding and buttressing white supremacy i have to interrogate how i benefit from a system that's rigged in favor of people who look like me we must listen to people of color read people of color pray and ask god to reveal to us where god has already worked in this part of the world and once you know we must join god for the sake of others the work of becoming an anti-racist is lifelong nobody is woke but we can be intentional about awakening because as pastor jose humphreys says a pastor in harlem he says as a christian you cannot believe in the spirit being poured out on all flesh and harbor anti-blackness in your heart on this pentecost sunday i'm calling our church to become intentional about doing the work of the spirit that brings people together that interrogates itself for ways to repent and heal and why do i say repent in the words of nadia bolsweber because from the beginning of this country christians have done evil and called it good we have used god's name to commit horrible sins and rather than repenting just repackaged the evil i'm persuaded that the venom of white supremacy runs deeply in us as a country and a people for a very specific reasons because the fangs that delivered it were given not the devil's name but god's when slavery and genocide and land theft is established as god's will it delivers a poison that can infect the deepest parts of a country while exonerating evil because messages that are transmitted to us in god's name embed far beneath the surface all the way down to our original place our createdness our source code and that does not just go away because we read a ta-nehisi coates book or happen to have a black grandchild wokeness and policy change and celebrating diversity are a start but not nearly enough to dig out the full infection we must repent of the original sins of this country christian sins because the toxic heresy of god ordained domination is a spiritual malady not a cosmetic one mm. so in light of that we are putting a course together this summer and the title is meant to jar you the sins of christianity if we're going to take seriously our commitment to be a community of justice 
that takes being an anti-racist seriously, we have to start with repentance, which leads to healing. But we can't skip the first step. Peter Choi is going to help lead this class, put it together, more details to follow. My question for you today is, will you come to it? Will you make time to come to it? Even if it makes you uncomfortable. Because that's the obstacle, isn't it? Discomfort. I was talking about this on Wednesday night at our prayers and reflections gathering online. This is what I said on Wednesday night. Oppressive systems are structured around comfort. White supremacy, for example, is structured around comfort. People who look like me enjoy the comfort of never having to train our children on how to engage with police. We enjoy the comfort of being able to move about in this world without fear that we are suddenly going to have a white woman call the cops and endanger our lives just because we asked her to leash her dog. We enjoy the comfort of the benefit of the doubt in every setting. We enjoy the wealth that has been amassed in the backs of black and brown images of God. Calling that into question makes people who look like me uncomfortable. So people who look like me will lash out in fear or anxiety because we're just so unused to feeling uncomfortable. We have no practice in it. People of color are practicing it day by day by no choice of their own and as a matter of survival. But white supremacy has made people who look like me fragile. So our country right now is being torn up by the fruits of racism on Pentecost Sunday. I believe it's past time to open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit to help us discern what the good news is for this very moment and to empower us to enact and proclaim it. The spirit that led Jesus to say at Jesus' first sermon in Nazareth, where Jesus started quoting Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because she has announced me to bring good news to the poor. She has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. She has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free. That same spirit, that is the spirit of Pentecost, and it still blows into our lives. Yes, to justify us by grace through faith, to set us free, to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor. The same Holy Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles who gave birth to the church continues to prod and cajole and urge us forward. And our question is, will we listen? Will we listen? Because as the prayer from the Talmud says, do justly now, love mercy now, walk humbly now. We are not obligated to finish the work, but neither are we free to abandon it. Amen. As a prayer of lament now for George Floyd and for all those who look like him who have been murdered, and as a response to this sermon, we will end now with this, we'll end the sermon with this litany. You should see it coming up on your screen. He'll be responding with Amen. O protector and servant of the oppressed whose children are being killed by militarized police, we know that wherever there's a broken body, wherever there are tears, 
you are there. May your holy and life-giving spirit so move every human heart that all racial barriers that divide us would crumble. May those who have been ordained to protect and serve repent of their violence, that they may join with us in the new life you have promised in Jesus Christ. Amen. O Holy One, friend of the enslaved and oppressed, you did not enter our world in an ethereal, beautiful body to excrete a few tidbits of wisdom. You were incarnated as an enfleshed, exhausted, and eventually executed human being. Teach us, liberator of your faithful, to take the side of the oppressed as you did. Point us to the example of Moses, of your prophets, of Christ, who with boldness and truth proclaim that the lives of the exploited matter. Amen. Mother God, who has longed to gather all her children under her mighty wings, you are our good parent and caregiver. Rupture, O giver of truth, the status quo of racialized violence that infects your land, and teach us through your divine word to reject the false promises of state peace in favor of the presence of the dangerous justice of Christ. Amen. Healer God, whose church predates the doctrines of white supremacy by more than a thousand years, empower us with words and wisdom to confront all racial divisions sown by colonizers and cultural elites. Teach us alongside all your saints to remember our people, all people in our bones, to stitch their hymns and heritage into our hearts. Help us each to reconnect with the cultural heritage that birthed us instead of the violent racial categories into which we have been forced. Amen. Jesus, in your last hour of life, you hung on a tree at the hands of the state, while your mother Mary and many women knelt in grief and holy anger. Forgive us who stood back as bystanders watching silently. May your choice to face Herod and Pontius Pilate give us courage to take a stand. May your blood cover and heal all wounds both present and expected. May your resurrection sow in us the seeds of a divine and joyful resilience. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.